We, uh, the series that we've been in for these last four, well, five weeks now is, as you can see behind me, uh, Life in Lockdown. We've just been uh, looking at what it looks like to, uh, to be in lockdown and some of the things that God might be teaching us through that. And today, as we look at the fifth and final uh, w- uh, part of this series, what we want to look at is uh, the lessons from lockdown, lessons that we've been learning or the, sorry, the learning from lockdown that we've been, uh, that we've been going through. Uh, we're going to look at James chapter 1 in, in a little while. Uh, but what we've also been doing over this last week is just been asking a few people about what they have been learning uh, during this lockdown, uh, lockdown period. So what we're going to hear from now is uh, three videos or three, uh, three, I guess, quick testimonies from three ladies who have experienced very different things through the lockdown period. One of them is from uh, a returning missionary. Uh, it's from Wayne and Vanessa. And, uh, and they uh, have some, some learnings uh, both from their time in Cambodia and, uh, and also back here in New Zealand. And then we're going to hear from... Uh, Abby, who has uh, has brought into this world some new life during this time, and then we're going to hear from Michelle, uh, who has been at the other end of the spectrum and has said goodbye to a loved one during this uh, during this time. So let's hear from these three ladies now. Thanks. Good morning, church family. My name is Vanessa McCarthy, and it's a privilege to be with you this morning and join with you in this way. My husband Wayne and three of our four children uh, have been living for the past 12 months uh, in Cambodia and our time there has been um, really full of numerous uh, challenges and trials uh, and tribulations. And part of uh, my time in lockdown, uh, I have spent working on a timeline of our past year and documenting the tribulations and the the stressful situations, the things that we've been through, writing down how I felt about everything that we went through and then reviewing in my diary what it was that the Lord was saying in the midst of those challenges. And uh, so I'd like to encourage you with some of the things that God showed me in the midst of our trials. The first thing that he showed me was that I was to lay aside my human thinking and very early on in our time I began to pray this prayer, give me the mind of Christ. May I have the mind of Christ that I could see things as he sees them, that I wouldn't be seeing them in the natural but that I would be seeing them the way that he would like me to see them. The second thing that the Lord showed me was a scripture from Isaiah 14 verse 24 And it says this, The Lord Almighty has sworn, Surely as I have planned it, so it will be. And as I have purposed it, so it will stand. And really in those early days, the encouragement that it wasn't looking like how we thought it was going to look like, but how God had purposed it was how it was going to be, and how he planned it was how it was going to be, and we were to continue walking in faith, uh, trusting him uh, in the journey. Uh, The third thing that the Lord showed me was that every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will bear more fruit. There's purpose in this pruning season, and I felt as if God was bringing everything to death uh, in my life, 
and there was a there was a statement that came out of one of the books I was reading during that time and the statement was if God is bringing things to death in my life then it will all be fruitful one day because God our heavenly father the great gardener he prunes us so that we will be more fruitful uh, in time to come the fourth thing um was, was a verse that a friend sent me right in the middle of maybe Dwayne having dinghy fever, I, I can't quite remember now, um, but it was a, this promise that after you've promised from First Peter 5.10, after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore and confirm and he will strengthen and he will establish you. And so we have held on to those promises, those scriptures, um, those those things that the Lord deposited into our hearts deeply uh, in our time of trial. And now we find ourselves back in New Zealand. Um, we have no answers in terms of the future, um, but we're just walking forward in faith, trusting that his plans and his purposes will prevail. This is his story, and we will trust him in it. Thanks. Good morning everyone. Um, as some of you know, I gave birth to this little guy, Seth, about three weeks ago, one week into the lockdown. And prior to his birth, my anxiety levels were very high. Um, with all the changing protocols at the birth unit in the hospital, we really didn't know what the birth was going to look like and even if Lyndon was going to be there for all of it. Um, thankfully, Lyndon was there and everything went pretty smoothly and we were blessed with this healthy little guy. Um, but what I've learned through this lockdown is that when I can stop trying to control the uncontrollable and instead lay all my anxieties down on the Lord in prayer, um, not only does he help me get through those, um, but he's actually shown me what a blessing uh, this time can be for us. Um, as sad as it is to not be able to show this guy off straight away and not be able to have our friends and family around us for support, um, we have been forced to focus on just the four of us and um, we've established a really good family routine and especially with this guy feeding and sleeping and as a result all of us are getting as much rest as we could and uh, doing really well. Cece's loving having her brother around and um, she's loving the extra attention of both her parents here the, all the time. Um, so yeah we've actually really enjoyed the last three weeks and um, have seen that it's been a real blessing to us. So, a little sneak peek at this guy as well. Right, thanks everyone. As God taught me during this lockdown, um, two things stand out for me. The power of prayer being one, and the second one to be thankful in all circumstances. About five weeks before lockdown, my dad was diagnosed with tumours in his abdomen and chest, which ended up being advanced aggressive cancer. Dad was in Taupo Hospital when the hospitals around New Zealand made the decision that they were allowed, um, that no more visitors were allowed to visit patients because of coronavirus. And the thought of mum and us three girls possibly never seeing dad again and thinking um, of him dying alone, all in hos on hospital, all alone, was just incredibly heartbreaking. Um, I remember going into the shower and just howling my eyes out just at the thought of this. 
Um, this had to be probably one of the most hopeless situations that I've ever been in. But I know that God is the God of hope and miracles. So asked um, yeah, my two Bible study groups that I'm involved in and the prayer chain um, for God to do a miracle in our situation, for Dad to be well enough to be sent home by the hospital and to be reunited with Mum. And the answer to prayer came a few days later on the 26th of March, which was our first day of lockdown. The hospital sent Dad home to be cared for by Mum and one palliative nurse. Thank you God for answering one of my many prayers. That was just one of one of many, I can tell you many more. Also during this lockdown, I kept a journal of things that I could be thankful for, um, yeah, for Dad and his situation. God was showing me that I could choose to be joyful and thankful despite the circumstances surrounding me. And I've just got a few things here, that um, just a few to read from my diary that I'd put, that Dad had had 74 good years um, yeah, um, for Dad to be sent home from hospital a week before he died and to be with Mum on their 49th and um, wedding anniversary, that was incredibly special. Um, I got to spend the last two days with him. Um, my Dad passed away just before midnight on Saturday, April the 4th, the same day as his father 29 years ago. And that, yeah, that was amazing. Um, also, when Dad actually passed, um, God's overwhelming presence, his peace, um, the joy, um, yeah, just in the room when he died, um, it was actually indescribable. Um, I'll never have that feeling again. I know that he's in heaven with his heavenly Father. Um, and God's word says, rejoice always, pray about everything, and give thanks in all circumstances. And I know that that's what God is teaching me. Thank you. Hey, well, thanks, Vanessa and Abby. And Michelle, it's great to hear from you and just great to hear what God is doing in various people's lives during this time. We're, f we're well, we're four and a half weeks really into, into lockdown. And uh, if you're anything like me and anything perhaps like our family, we're feeling it a little bit now. Uh, maybe we're feeling a little, little tired. Maybe we're feeling uh, like the, the walls uh, are perhaps just encroaching in on us a, a little bit in your house. Um, and so... As we look at this time, it's good to kind of maybe take a step back. It's good to uh, just think that, that God has taken us into this time, both as a nation uh, and as a church, and then even, even as families and as individuals, and He's done this for a reason. He obviously thought it was best for us. He's obviously thought it was a good thing for us to go through. And so it's good for us to, to reflect uh, see what it is that God is, is doing in our lives. He's working on us in some way. We're going to have a look at James chapter 1, verses 2 through to 12. Uh, Sonia's going to read that to us now. It's going to be on your screen, but grab your Bibles if you like as well, because we're going to be working through this for the rest of the morning. Thanks, Sonia. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 12. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." 
Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Thanks, Sonia. That uh, was great. You know, one of the things that has been interesting as over the last year or so, as I've kind of moved back to working in a town that I grew up in and went to school in, one of the things that, that happens every now and again is I run into an old school teacher. And, uh, and it's always a bit of a weird moment because I'll say, oh, oh hi, Mr. So-and-so. And, uh, and he'll reply, uh, you can call me Steve now. Um, you know, we're both adults. And I kind of think, oh, yeah, that's, that's right. I'm, I'm in my 40s now. We, I, uh, we don't have to refer to, uh, this, to old teachers in that way. But sometimes I just can't help it. I ran into my third form English teacher for, for you younger ones. That is year nine English. Uh, my third form English teacher, and I just couldn't help myself. I just, I just went up to her and just said, hello, Mrs. Uh, So-and-so, and obviously I won't use real names. I'll call her Mrs. C uh, for, the, for the purpose of this. This is all public and out on the internet. Um, and I said, hi, 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 Mrs. C. And she said, hey, you can you know, call me by my first name. It's all right. And I just thought, you know what? I don't know if I can, but one of, the, uh, uh, one of the things that was interesting as I was talking to Mrs. C and just recalling third form English there was something about her English class. Uh, there was something that about her, the way that she approached her English class and one of the things that she said to us as a class. She said that along the way, that sh there's a one question that she doesn't mind if we ask over and over and over again. And that question is, why are we doing this? She wanted to us to ask her, why are we doing this? And to be fair, some of us in the class might have uh, phrased it in a way of like, oh, this is so boring. Why on earth are we doing this? But she would always rep respond with a smile. And then she would just, and she would say, I'm so glad you asked that question. This is why we are going through this. And uh, to be fair, uh, during third form English, we felt like there was some, uh, some reasonably large hour-long trials and testings that were going on. Um, but uh, Mrs. C really wanted us to know what it was that she was doing, why it was that she was taking us through that particular test, that particular exercise, or what it was. She had something in her mind that, we, that she wanted us to learn. I think it's very similar to what God wants of us. Uh, when we look at trials, when we look at the things that, we're going on, that are going on in our life, when we even look at this, this coronavirus period that we're in at the moment, God expects us to learn from what He's doing. And in fact, we're going to have a look at the couple of verses here uh, as we go through these verses that Sonia just read to us. We're going to see that He actually tells us that that is exactly what we should be doing. We should be asking the why and we should be understanding what He is doing. Now, just a quick note, uh, so I need to read 11 verses, chapter, uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 through to 12. There is a lot in those verses. There is truckloads in those verses. We're, um, uh, we're not going to cover that all today. I'm going to sort of pull down through one thread that goes through, uh, through those 11 verses, um, and the, the rest will just have to wait for another day. But here's the first thing that, that we uh, kind of capture uh, as we look through these, uh, these 11 verses, and that's the fact that trials are good. In verse 2, uh, verse 2, 3, and 4, really, 
James says that count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So this is a good thing, obviously, that we're to count it as joy. And he tells us why. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So those, those trials, they are all good. Count it all joy when we're going through this kind of stuff. There are many lessons that we've learned during this, during this time. Hopefully those things have been making us more, uh, more perfect, more, f- uh, more complete, more lacking in nothing. And, uh, and so that the hopefully there are some lessons that we've learned. God's teaching us through all of this time. Uh, some of us have perhaps felt these trials in this little time more than others. We've heard just, uh, just now from Michelle who has lost her father during this, during this time. That's something that uh, probably not many of us have, uh, have experienced during the, the lockdown in terms of the depth of the trial. Others have been, uh, we've talked about it in the part previous weeks, others have lost businesses or lost um, massive amounts of income. And, and so these are real, uh, real significant trials that, uh, that we're going through. And I think there's lots of different ways that God has been leading us and teaching us. Here's a few that are going on the screen here that, uh, that might be ways in which God has been teaching us. I think God might have been increasing our love for the gathering. Hopefully you've been feeling that. Hopefully you've been yearning for getting back together with everyone. Um, hopefully he's been, uh, and you, he's been increasing our, our lost, uh, sorry, our love for the lost. I think he's been humbling us. I think he's been exposing our idolatry. I think about that humbling one, actually. You know, we, we talked about last week, I think it was, when we've, we've been exploring the depths of space and, uh, and yet this tiny little virus is, uh, is stopping us in our tracks here. And he's been exposing our idolatry in terms of the things like sports and uh, uh, sports have just had to stop. Uh, I know that the, uh, a lot of the betting indus- industry in the United States now is having to take wages on, uh, on the likes of the elections that are coming up and the, the political processes. Um, uh, they're, they're really struggling to figure out what, what we're going to do here in this time. We can't have sports to bet on. Uh, the idolatry being taken out of our lives, other, p- other forms of idolatry that has been exposed in our lives, I think. Uh, he's been causing us to long for heaven more. He's been driving us to our knees. And when we look at that list, I'm not sure if it's still on the screen, but if, if we look at that list, uh, what, as a Christian, what's, what's not to love about that list? This is great for us. This is good for us. Yet, yet, it's interesting. We still seem to approach trials as if they're not good for us. When, when something comes into our life and it's difficult, we immediately think this is bad. This is not a good thing. So I think that takes us to the second major point here, which is we don't see that trials are good. So, so if James has been teaching us first that, that trials are good, it seems that we don't see that trials are good. Let us, let's have a look at, uh, at verse 5, because I think here we see that, that uh, this goes against our nature in terms of seeing trials as good. Verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. So we, we don't see these trials as good. It kind of, it just goes against our, our basic human nature. And our instant response is to call trials bad. And while that's the case, God seems to think 
that they are good. Our instant reaction is that they're bad, but God thinks that they are good. And so, James tells us we are to ask for wisdom. We'll talk about that more of a second in a second. But this idea that trials being, trial, us thinking of trials being bad, I, uh, I mentioned the other, uh, the other day, if you were in our equip class, I mentioned a, a little illustration. Sorry, I'm going to repeat it here just because I, I think it was helpful for what we're talking about here. If, uh, if you've ever seen a caterpillar and watched it and it go into its little chrysalis, into its little cocoon, it goes into its cocoon for a number of days, I'm not sure how exactly how long, but then after a little while, it starts to, starts to break out. And as you see this caterpillar, which is now turned into a butterfly in the, in the cocoon there, when you see it, you can see it struggling to break free of its chrysalis, of its little cocoon there. And uh, one of the things that you might be tempted to do is grab a, a stick or something like that and just, just to help it, just to start tearing away the, the edges of that cocoon for it to help it get out. And if you were to do that, what you would see is that that butterfly would then escape from this chrysalis, but then it would be completely unable to fly. And in fact, it w all it would do is just uh, be wandering around a little bit and it would soon become part of the food chain. The reason is that the God has designed it so that that the struggle that that butterfly has to get out of its cocoon is the very thing that, that forms and strengthens its wings. So the butterfly cannot fly unless it's been through that time of testing and trial. You see, we, we're so quick and, and it's, it's our natural instinct to go in there and think this is bad for the butterfly. It's struggling so hard and it does. It struggles there for a long time to, to get out of its cocoon. And, we're th and we think it'd be so much better if we just grab the little stick and just remove that trial from the butterfly. And yet that's the very thing that will eventually uh, both disable it and then probably kill it. We're so quick to see that trials are not good. And yet God sees these trials as being good. So then the next major point there, the next major thing that we need to think about in this, in this passage is how do we see trials as good? So we mentioned just a second ago, we're to ask for, for wisdom. But if you're anything like me, this feels kind of out of place in the passage. If you're anything like me, for a long, long time, I looked at this passage here and I saw this, these few verses here on asking God for wisdom and how God just grants wisdom. He's just going to give us wisdom. And I thought, well, that's, that's interesting and that's uh, pretty, pretty amazing that, God, that, we would, that we could just ask for, for any kind of wisdom and, uh, and God would give it to you. But let's have a look at, uh, in terms of interpreting a, a, a verse that's always the, always the way that we just need to look at the context to see if we can just understand exactly what the author is saying here. And I want you to just look, if you've got your Bibles, have a, have a quick look here. James, in this passage, when we've been looking at from verse 2 all the way down to verse 12, in verse 2, he's obviously talking about trials. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Then he just expands that a little bit. Then he moves into talking about this wisdom, asking God for wisdom. And then there's a few verses, verses 5, 6, 7, and 8, talking about that asking for wisdom. And then 9, 10, and 11, we're not going to really go into those verses too much, but that continues to, uh, to, to look at these, uh, th this idea of um, both wisdom and, and trials. And then in verse 12, very, very clearly, he's moving back to talking about trials. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trials. So here's our, here's our two options when we're looking at these, at these verses. Either James is making some really weird gear changes. He's talking about trials and then he's just scooting over here and he's going to talk about wisdom. Then he's scooting back here and he's going to talk about trials again. Or else 
the whole lot is actually talking about trials. And so when he's talking about wisdom then, he's not talking about just like the, a general everyday garden variety wisdom. He's talking about a very specific type of wisdom. James is specifically referring to wisdom about why God is taking us through trials. Think about this. Think about parents. When you take your, t- uh, your, your, your parents through some sort of lesson, through s- and it might be through some sort of trial, you want them to know why it is that you're taking them through this. Think about Mrs. C back at my third form English class. She was, she was taking us through, <laughs> through some very, very trialing English periods, we thought. And, but she wanted us to know why it was that she was doing it. She had a reason, and God has a reason for what he's doing, and he wants us to understand. So he's, he's telling us to ask for wisdom, not just a kind of everyday garden variety general wisdom, but he's asking, telling us to ask for a very specific type of reason, a, a, a type of wisdom, a wisdom about why God is taking us through trials. Perhaps a helpful little paraphrase of what, uh, of what um, James is talking about here in these, in these verses. It's coming up on the screen here now. Uh, this paraphrase here, look forward then to the day when you will stand complete, lacking in nothing. But just at present, I am pretty certain there is one thing that you know, you, uh, know, you know yourself to lack. It may be that you cannot quite see life as God has portrayed it. You're in the thick of such a tangle of circumstances that there is no way in which it can seem that uh, other than a purposeless mess. There is no stretch of the imagination by which it even begins to look like a stepping stone to maturity. In a word, you need wisdom, the wisdom that sees all life in the way that God sees it. God knows that if, God knows that if we just see the trials, we can end up in despair. Think about the rest of the world. Think about the rest of the world when they come against trials. They look at these trials and they think, why? Why do we have to go through this? And they can ultimately go to just a, 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 a place of despair. So God gives us God gives us everything we need in order to deal with the trials. In fact, let me rephrase that just a little bit. We don't have what we need to face those trials but God is ready to send us what we need to face those trials, but we must ask in faith. So then, wisdom. Wisdom then could be defined in this particular instance, uh, wisdom then is God's view on life. And, and realistically, isn't that what we need in all aspects of life? Not just in trials, but surely, absolutely, in trials. We need to have God's view of the world. Need, we need to have God's view of what's going on. Sometimes this is referred to as a biblical worldview. And uh, at, at TABC, one of the things that the eldership is really committed to is discipleship. In terms of we've, we've, uh, the, the discipleship process statement that we've, uh, that we've uh, launched just a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago, it says that, we are, that we're going to love God, we're going to love the church, and we're going to love the lost. And in terms of living the Christian life, we need to, if we're going to be loving God and if we're going to understand how to love God uh, in the Christian life, if we're going to understand how to love the church and, and if we're going to understand how to love the lost, we need to share God's view on the world. We need to understand what God is taking us through. 
We're gonna ju- we just need to be able to comprehend what it is that God wants to teach us as He takes us through trials. The, maybe the extreme trials like what we're going through at the moment in the coronavirus situation around the world. Maybe it's just the everyday garden variety trials of life. But we need to understand what God is doing. We need to see the world as God sees it. Now, there are other aspects of life that are, that are helpful. There's no, no doubt about that. It's good to learn skills. It's good to have a career. It's good to read good, w- good books. But I think there's nothing else in our Christian walk that can have the same effect as transforming our mind to work like God's mind. That's what Romans 12 verse 2 says, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we need to, we need to try and get that uh, that that transformation process happening in our life so that we're transforming our mind to work like God's mind. Um, in one sense, that's impossible, of course, because God's thoughts and, and His understanding is far above ours, but He has He has given us His thoughts. He's given us uh, a, 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 a view into His mind. We, uh, If you've been in the equip classes over the last few months, We've talked a little bit about this, about the idea that uh, uh, oftentimes we approach the Bible as a handbook for life. And, uh, and in our quick classes, I've pushed back on that just a little bit. Uh, now, d- definitely the Bible does give us, in one sense, a handbook. Uh, it, it contains everything we need for life and godliness. And so in one sense, it is a handbook for life, but it is, that's not primarily what it's about. This book is primarily about God. It's not about us, it's about God. And that's the most important and most helpful thing that we can, that we can grasp in life. To, if we can understand who God is, if we can understand God's take on the world, then suddenly everything else around us, including about ourselves, starts to fall into place. We see ourselves in light of who God is. We see ourselves as uh, actually falling short of God's standard. And I see ourselves as needing a Savior. And then, of course, the Bible uh, reveals to us who that Savior is. He reveals to us that it is Jesus Christ, the one who can save us from our sin. And so this is, the, this is one of the most critical things that we can do in the Christian life is to start to transform our mind to be like God's mind. And so we are to ask. It says it right there. Let's have a look at these verses. From verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Let him ask with, uh, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Again, there's a whole lot there that, uh, that, that, we're, uh, that we could work through in terms of the doubting and everything. Um, but uh, we're not going to walk through all of that today, but just to say that we're to ask, and we are to ask in faith. And God, and it's interesting that God here promises that if we ask in faith, He will give us wisdom. And again, it makes sense then that this is not just a generic kind of garden variety wisdom that James is talking about. If we were to ask God for the wisdom of Solomon so that we could understand the stock market and just make an absolute fortune, God might not grant you that type of wisdom. But if we are asking God for wisdom in order to understand why He is taking us through the trials that He's taking us through, James is pretty bold here. And he says that if you, any of you lacks wisdom in terms of 
uh, in terms of understanding what God is doing in the trials. Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. That's a really bold statement. You ask, you ask in faith and God is going to give it to you. And then can I suggest, uh, suggest to you as a, as a sideline to, uh, to, to this, we're to ask in faith, but can I suggest to you to, to then go ahead and remember what I mean by that, uh, well, you perhaps are familiar with the story of the Israelites crossing the, the, uh, the Jordan River uh, back in Joshua chapter 4. When they were crossing the Jordan, uh, God told them to take 12 stones out of the river and then make a, make a monument out of those 12 stones. And why did He tell, it, tell the Israelites to do that? Because He knew that 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 although God had done all these amazing things in the Israelites' life already, they had put, he'd brought them out of Egypt with all those 12 plagues and done a whole lot, he'd taken them across the Red Sea and now he'd taken them across the Jordan. He knew that they were going to forget. He knew that the, we, were prone, uh, we were prone to forget. Uh, and you, you heard from, from Vanessa, both Vanessa and Michelle just before, both of them referred to their journals. We've, one of the things that our family has found uh, pretty ha- helpful as well is just to write things down in our journals and just, just to be re-recording what God is doing, what God is teaching us. Uh, some of you uh, a- as a family might have, uh, might have a little memory box where you put little things into that box that just are little symbols of things that God has done in your life. And those are the great things to do in terms of just being able to remember what God has been, do- uh, what God has done in your life, and what He's taught you, because uh, because we are so prone to forget. And if we learn from the things that God has taken us through, and if we put in place something so that we can remember what God has taught us as He has taken us through the trials, when the next trial comes, we are so much more. Uh, I guess, en- en- enabled to remember what God has done in the past and then think, okay, God is teaching us again here something. God is taking us through these trials for a reason and we're not going to fall into despair. We're not, going to, we're not going to start to crumble, but we're going to remember what God has done, His faithfulness, and we are going to, uh, to, l- to look and understand and learn what He is taking us through. And of course, we're going to continue to ask God for wisdom to understand what he is taking us through in each and every step of our life. Okay, cool. So, if we have been uh, seeing that trials are good, but that we don't see those trials as good naturally, and we've been asking the question, how do we see those trials as good? And hopefully we've answered that question. It's, uh, we, we just want to turn to the last part of this passage here as we're about to wrap up and see that James doesn't leave us just there even. He tells us that trials are for our ultimate good. Let's have a look at verse 12 here, because it's interesting. Verse 12 said, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. In the first instance, it seems like uh, James is just actually going back to v- kind of verse 2, and he's almost repeating verse 2. But it's, uh, but he's actually doing something just a little bit different. Now back in verse 2, 3, and 4, what he was saying is these trials are good for us. And he's giving some whole lot of earthly reasons as to why they are good for us. Now in verse 12, he's telling us that this is for our ultimate good. It is, he is pointing us towards eternity. For when he has stood the test, 
he will receive the crown of life. James is now starting to point us towards eternity, towards a time when we're going to be with God forever. Note the, note the crown language here. This crown, this uh, crowns, if you know anything about a royal crown, it is worth a lot. It is incredibly valuable. He's using crown language to tell us that this time that we are going to spend with God and eternity forever, it's going to be it's going to be incredibly valuable. The the rewards that we're going to uh, going to receive there in eternity are incredibly valuable. Notice also the the crown language is royal language, and uh, we're we're reminded that we are going to re- reign with Christ. What does that what does that exactly mean? How is that going to play out in in heaven we really don't know but we're knowing that we are going to reign with christ we are going to be ruling and reigning in a similar way to how jesus will rule and reign there co-heirs with christ these are some things that we just can't wrap our heads around they are so amazing so glorious when we look into the future when we look at what uh, what we uh, ultimately have if we are to remain steadfast through trials we just can't get our heads around it, but that's okay. It's so it, it's it's part of the part of the fascination, I guess, about what God is going to to do. We we when we think about it, we just we yeah, the, all the categories don't quite uh, perhaps click. Uh, one of the questions that was going on around uh, our house just uh, just last night is is this going to be a physical crown? And I guess I'm 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 inclined to say it's probably not going to be, but who knows? Uh, one person was asking uh, about, about this crown. You know, if I turn my head this way, is it going to sparkle a little bit? And well, who knows? We're we're uh, we don't know what the what this crown is going to look like. Whether it's going to be a physical crown, whether it's a metaphorical crown. I'm f- I probably lean a little bit more towards it being a metaphorical crown. It's just something that's worth a lot. That that symbolizes the royalty, our our inheritance, being a royal inheritance in heaven. And James is saying that if you remain steadfast under trials, you will inherit eternal life. You'll inherit this crown. Now, here's what he's not saying. He's not saying that you earn, have to earn your way to heaven. Because we might read that statement. We might read the, the statement that says, uh, if, um, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. We might read that and think, okay, I have, to, I have to earn my way to heaven. I have to be able to remain steadfast. He's not saying that we have to earn our way to heaven. But if we look at it from another direction, we can see that, that uh, he's, what he's getting at is only those who have Christ in them can do what God is asking. Only those that who have Christ in them can consider trials pure joy because otherwise that doesn't make sense only those who have christ in them can desire the pruning remember vanessa talked about those that pruning can desire the pruning from god remember those six things that we talked about uh just earlier on in the in in the service here god is increasing our love for the for the gathering he's he's increasing our love for the lost he's humbling us he's exposing our idolatry he's causing us to long more for heaven he's driving us to our knees those are ways in which he is pruning us and we can, because we have Christ in us, we can desire that pruning from God. Because we have Christ in us, we can access the very wisdom of God to understand what, what's going on. If we, don't, if we don't have Christ in us, we don't understand the mind of God. And if we have Christ in us, then now we can remain steadfast to the end. You can only do that if you have Christ in you, working in you and working through you. It's all down to Christ's work. He's changing you. He's holding you in trials. He's teaching you. He's giving you wisdom. He's keeping your eyes on heaven. So, for us, 
We need to keep our focus on the one who can keep you remaining steadfast. So keep your eyes on the crown of life that you will inherit on that final beautiful day because of the work of Jesus happening in your life. Let's pray together. Our Father, we just want to say thank you for uh, this passage in James. We want to say thank you that, that it tells us and it teaches us that you are working in our lives. And it also tells us and teaches us that you want us to understand what it is that's going on in our lives and why you're doing the things that you're doing in our lives. And so as we, uh, as we walk through these trials and as we walk through the tribulations of life, Father, I pray that you would grant us wisdom. I pray that we would uh, individually just continue to come to you to, to ask for wisdom as to, uh, so that we can understand what you're doing in our lives and we can learn from it and that we can just grow from it, that we might become steadfast, that through Christ's work in us that we would be steadfast in our faith and that we would eventually be pure, uh, perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Lord, I thank you that you're doing that work in us, and I pray that you'd continue that work in us, even when it's painful, even when we wish that we didn't have to go through these things. Lord, we thank you that we know that you are good and that you are taking us through good things, no matter how we view them in our, in our earthly nature. So we thank you for this time. We pray for your blessing on us now as we, uh, as we continue on through our service and just enjoy uh, uh, a time of communion and singing together. And it's in Jesus' wonderful name that we pray. Amen. Hey, so we are pretty much done. There is one question that has popped through. Um, uh, so I just want to address that. So just looking at that question, it is the New King James Version, so the NKJV, in verse 12 is about enduring temptation. And then verses 13 to 16 continue the theme of enduring temptation. Is verse 12, in fact, more about enduring temptation than being steadfast under trial? Okay, so here's a little confession. While uh, Lyndon was introducing uh, communion there, I, uh, I just did a little bit of a quick bit of research um, around the, the Greek word that is in there in terms of being under trial. Um, and so, and so that, that word there can mean uh, to test, it can mean to trial, it can also mean temptation. The idea is, is kind of an examination. Uh, it's the, ex the act of examining something closely um, as if to examine it for mistakes. So I think the, whether you're looking at the NIV or ESV, which will uh, uh, translate that, ver that, that idea there in um, verse 12 as trial, or the King James or the New King James, which translates it as temptation, I think you can, it's, it's fair either way. Now, here's the, here's the important part though. Where are those trials and temptations coming from? Because I think those, the, the idea of trials and temptations, they're very, very closely linked. A, 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 trial, a, a trial might be an, a, an action that comes into our life that then leads to temptation. Yeah? Um, so they're, they're very, very closely linked. And so a trial could lead us to sin because of the temptation that comes along associated with the, with the temptation. You think about Jesus when he was tempted by the devil. He went through a trial. He was, he was uh, 40 days in the desert, and so he was going, uh, going under a physical trial, and along with that then came the, the temptation. 
So those two ideas are, are very linked. So I think uh, when we're looking at whether it's either the trials up in verse 234 or the trials, and then he do, even in, a, in an NIV or ESV goes on in verse 13 to talk about being tempted and not to say that temptation is from God. So we do need to answer the question, so where are these trials and temptations coming from? And I think if we were to go into a bit of a, a, a a deeper study there into the book of James, I think we'd, we'd realize that the, the, those two elements very, very closely are linked. And in fact, one Greek word can, can kind of draw those, both those elements out. I think the trials in terms of the, the circumstances can very, uh, very easily be, be put down to the sovereignty of God. So the sovereignty of God has brought along circumstances. He's allowed the coronavirus to, uh, to, to come into our lives and the whole circumstances around that. And that is a trial. Now, verse 13, I think it is, does say, uh, let no one when, say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and, is, as, and enticed by his own desire. Then that desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when fully grown, brings forth death. So, uh, so, so clearly the trial is brought about by the sovereignty of God, but the temptation is not brought about by God. He does not tempt, but he does allow the trials to come along, which do tempt, if that makes sense. Uh, we see in, in Jesus' temptation in the desert, it was obviously the devil who was tempting. And this, these verses here uh, put it down, put the temptation down uh, in our lives to our own sinful nature. Uh, and so it's a sin that's burbling up within us uh, that will always uh, be the one that pushes us to sin. And that's a really important note as well. When we're talking uh, 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 to each other, when we're talking to our, to our kids, I remember the conversations with our kids when they were little, time and time and time again, when anger might come out of them, they might say, but my brother made me angry. And then we'd have to tell them, no, actually, no, your brother did not make you angry. The anger, the sinful anger in your heart made you angry. Now, the circumstance, the trial that your brother did, that might have helped to bring it out, but the anger was already there. The anger is all yours. You have to own that anger, and you have to repent from that from that anger. Um, the, your brother might have also been doing something wrong, and we need to address that, uh, but, the, but the anger is there in your heart. And so, uh, so that's what James is digging into, but a fantastic question. Thanks heaps for for that i think we're uh we're time is uh time is out on us there now um but again just a really massive thank you for for joining us i really hope you've enjoyed the the service i hope you've enjoyed these services that we've been able to bring to you from our living room again next week it's probably going to look just a little bit different we're still formulating that and uh and just making uh, making sure the testing all works for for the next phase to to happen uh, for us but uh, be assured it will be still be tr uh, transmitted to you over the same medium we'll still be on on youtube there and the same link etc will all all work there all fine um